Hey, Teresa, how do you take your podcasts? In my ear with cream and sugar, please. That's weird. It's Schmanners. Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. We're getting so good at that. (laughs) How are you doing? I am well rested, thank you. Yes, we just had a wonderful baby moon getaway um, where we got to really put our Schmanners to the test and stay at a very nice resort. Um, Had a great time. And, you know, getting massages, chilling out. Uh, I, I had some cocktails. Uh, it was great. It was terrific. I had a lot of very delicious sparkling water. This is true. You watched <laughs> me have cocktails. I did. Um, yeah. And, and so we're sorry the episode's a little bit late, but you know, you're traveling and you can only do so much, you know, we were too busy being deeply in love. So <laughs> we appreciate your patience though. That That is correct. Patience is a virtue. Um, and you know, we were there, we were hanging around the highfalutin rich folks, I'd say, and we got to thinking about the fancy teas and, uh, we've, we've done a tea time or two in our lives and, you know, we went and did our honeymoon in Scotland and we We did have tea in Scotland, a lot of tea to the point where we went on a horseback riding expedition that ended with them, like us sitting in a stone stable surrounded by horses drinking out of like sil a silver tea set it, it was, was lovely it was it was great y'all um and so we wanted to talk about tea um but here's the thing you guys i recently learned this from my beautiful wife the difference between high tea and afternoon tea do you want to start there or do you want to start with a little history and work our way back well to it? i would like to start with afternoon tea um and and later i will divulge the difference between afternoon tea and high tea because it is a bit of a of a misnomer if you are thinking about socioeconomic status okay well so then let's start with okay afternoon tea afternoon tea um became fashionable in the early 19th century and it is credited to anna the seventh duchess of bedford in the year 1840 Oh, of course. I know of her. You do? No. No, I do not. (laughs) But just once I wanted to (laughs) say. Well, at that time, it was fashionable to have your dinner by candlelight. And so um, you would not really begin the dinner service until about 8 o'clock in the evening. I mean, in general, our modern day understanding of like meals and mealtimes is 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 so very different yes right like we think about very structured like breakfast lunch dinner now and that was not how it has always been correct was that informed by the workday that was probably informed by the workday right? it was actually um once the workday became a nine to five that's when things really got a lot more regimented where you had to take breakfast before you went to work you would have a break in the middle of the day and then dinner when you got home because you were famished Excellent. Um, but in that time, it uh, was fashionable to have your dinner by candlelight. And so you had to wait till it got dark. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And she found that she was quite peckish in between uh, her her luncheon and the dinner time. Um, And so around four o'clock in the afternoon, she would ask that a tray of tea, um, some bread and butter, maybe some cakes, little fancy things that she would have around the house that people would have for guests in service anyway. Um, she would ask them to bring some up to her bedroom. So just she, like a little snack. Just a snack, basically. Um, and it really caught on like wildfire. She began inviting her friends over for this uh, this tea time in the afternoon. I mean, it seems like it's a kind of no-brainer, wonderful social experience because unlike a meal where... Because I always feel this way whenever I sit down to like a lunch for like a business purpose or something where you kind of get embarrassed to like eat seriously eat in front Mm -hmm. of somebody when you're trying to have a conversation with them like when do you stop and take a bite of like this huge meal in front of you right whereas tea with all the finger foods and much more bite-sized um treats sounds perfectly made for conversation and for a social engagement exactly and it really did turn into that so during the 1880s the upper class society woman would actually like make this an outing that they would do daily they would go over to their friends houses they would dress up um you know in long gowns and gloves and hats and became quite the thing to do um it moved from her bedroom uh, well, it moved from bedrooms, so it changed from a private affair that you would take to uh, to just stave off your hunger in between meals into a social affair. So it moved down to the formal drawing room, and I believe that's probably why people started dressing up a little more. Got it. So then that was take. Uh, you would have this little tea time between four and five in the afternoon. Um, to keep you from being starving at dinner, because I mean, I mean, you mentioned this just a second ago. It really wasn't very fashionable to eat much at all. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was it was it uh uh not Amberlynn. Who am I thinking of? Let them eat cake. That's Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette, and it is a, also uh, attributed. Incorrectly. Well, yes, but you, I, I knew you would know who I was thinking of. If we were playing a game, I knew you would. Know. Anyway, not important. Wasn't she known for like having like broth and like a crust of bread while there was like a massive meal going on around her? Right. Uh, coming from a different court system in Austria, I believe um, she disliked the entire like French court fanciness and she preferred much plain food i gotcha but yeah you really didn't want to watch you didn't want people to watch you like eat you know right yes it like was all you can eat golden corral buffets were not <laughs> happening right that that wasn't a thing really so um by the 1920s this whole tea time thing was in full swing um you would have it, it turned into almost a party where there were lots of guests, and there you might have, um, you might have instruments come and play instead of just putting on the Victrola or whatever. You might have singers. You might have um, entertain other entertainment. You would have service from servants. Whereas before this, um, afternoon tea might be something that you would prepare for yourself while your servants had the day off. So it became something that you would take, you would have on um, Sundays. 
so that the servants could leave and go to church and you could just have this kind of tea in the afternoon to keep you to keep you from starving when your servants were away. Let me ask you a big question here that may be so big that there's no one answer to it. Okay. But the question is what I think of like taking tea um doing you know tea time taking a tea break is a very european specifically british thing mm-hmm. but i'm i'm you say 1920s and i'm thinking about 1920s america and we we were very posh as well we had you know uh, i definitely an upper class we had a first class here in america why did it take off in america and just stopped being a thing or did it never take off in america i'm very curious as to why tea isn't as big a thing here well um Although I don't have any research to point to this, my inclination is to say that because America has always been a little more industrialized, a little more working class, there's a, a little less leisure time. And I would think that something that you would eat between your lunch and your supper at eight, at four or five in the afternoon, was probably you were still working. Interesting. So, there uh, and and we'll get to that when we talk about high tea. Gotcha. Um, so I think that that's probably why it didn't really flourish in America. But high societies definitely tried to emulate the uh, the UK, and they definitely did take tea time if you were affluent enough to afford it. Indeed. Um. So as I mean, as far as the history of afternoon tea. That's basically it. They found it. They liked it. Kept doing it. Yeah, I don't think it's evolved that much past that point, you know. Right. Uh, But there are several different classifications of afternoon tea. Um, There's a little bit of uh, pomp and circumstance surrounding having actual tea. So that's that's my next little foray. Okay. Um, You are supposed to keep... The kettle in the kitchen and the teapot on the table. Um, And it is traditionally using loose leaf tea. Uh, But in my opinion, as long as you keep the the tea bags inside the kettle, I mean, sorry, inside the teapot, who's going to know? People aren't opening up the teapot. (laughs) Is there a set of uh, preference for like black tea versus green tea versus herbal tea versus... Like a white tea? Is there white tea? There's white tea, right? Uh, yes, yes. Very young tea is often referred to as white tea, um, but it's uh, it's customary to have an assortment. Excellent, and that makes sense because there's different flavors that you get from like an herbal versus a black tea. Differing levels of caffeine you get from right. those. Yes. So then, um, on the tea tray, so you would so you have the teapot that you've taken into the kitchen to fill with water and tea, and you put that on a tray. On the tray is a sugar bowl with sugar cubes and tongs because it's never good to stick your fingers in the sugar bowl. There is a uh, pitcher with milk in it. Um, There is a tea strainer. If you're using the loose leaf, you want to pour the tea through the strainer into the cup so that you don't get any leaves in your tea. And that's a strainer that kind of looks like a a, a spoon net, right? Yeah, a little bit like that. Um, then there is a bowl for used tea leaves once the tea is finished. And a pitcher of hot water is also included because people like their tea at different if different strengths. 
So you can use the hot water to dilute your own tea if you think that it is too strong. Now, do you know the answer to this question? Why sugar cubes instead of just loose sugar? It's just tradition. Just what they do. Okay. That's what that's what they do. Uh, in fact, um, sugar didn't used to be served in cubes. It was used in cones, often called hats, where the expression, I'll eat my hat, comes from. What? What to get out of town? <laughs> sugar hats? Why did we move away from sugar hats? I don't know. That's so much more fun. I think that cones might be harder to like manufacture. Okay. Fine. Whatever. Um, and then also there was a small dish on the tray for lemon wedges and a little fork to get those lemon wedges or slices out because some people um, don't enjoy tea. And in that case, you can use the hot water and lemon and make yourself a little little lemon-flavored concoction. Hot water. Hot water. Hot lemon water, basically. Hot lemon water. Okay. So so it sounds like those are your options, right? You either are having some form of tea or hot lemon water. You're not like I also sub- having an – because we had some questions from people were like, can I have a soda? Can I have an alcoholic beverage? Can I well, have uh, coffee? There are different different iterations of tea where you can have – along with the tea service, you'll have a beverage offered in that way. Okay. Like a champagne tea. I'll get to that. Okay. I'll get to that. Uh, and then lastly, you would bring that tea tray to the table, which will be preset with teacups and saucers, forks and spoons, small plates, usually within the five to seven diameter. Um, there'd be napkins, and then you can either have a, a plates with your tea sandwiches, scones, cakes, things like that, or sometimes they are served on elevated trays. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, like a, those tiered yeah, trays. Yeah, like yes. a three-tiered tray. Um, plus, you would want to have jam and cream on the table for scones. Gotcha. So you've mentioned different forms of tea. Mm-hmm. What are the different forms of, of the afternoon tea? Um, so there is a cream tea, okay. which really doesn't have anything to do with the drink of tea because um, you don't use cream, you use milk. Uh-huh. Because uh, cream often settles to the bottom and is difficult to stir in. Gross. Um, where a cream tea is generally just the scones, the clotted cream, and the jam served with tea. So it would be like uh, oftentimes the scones are served on the top level because they are supposed to be served warm. So uh-huh. you would put a little like... Um, dome over top to keep them warm and that really only fits on the top level of the tier so the cream tea is just that top level of scones cream and jam as opposed to like also little sandwiches and also cookies and cakes and gotcha exactly and then uh, a champagne afternoon tea is often served at different um, establishments like the ritz and there's a, a bunch of places in london that'll serve a champagne tea generally it's more expensive yeah well (laughs) Uh, but in that you are given a glass of champagne along with your tea, you know, for that additional charge. So if you wanted to have like a fancy wedding party, whether it be mm-hmm. your bachelor or bachelorette or what, what have you, or maybe a birthday party where you're wanting to celebrate not just with tea, but maybe an alcoholic beverage, you want to request a champagne tea. Right. Um, or it sometimes is called a sherry tea cause then, cause sherry is a little more traditionally English. Gotcha. Um, and then, but you're not like 
pouring some whiskey in your tea. It's not, it's, if you're going for, because here's the thing. What it's sounding to me like, and, and please tell me if I'm in the wrong direction here, sounding to me like if you're going to do this afternoon tea, mm-hmm. you're doing it because it feels very fancy and posh. And so if you want yes. the full experience of it, you want to couple it with something like sherry and champagne, not like beer and whiskey. While I would prefer that to <laughs> champagne or sherry, I feel like you, doing that, you have to take into, you have to acknowledge that you're kind of taking a little bit of the seeming poshness away from it. Right. And also, uh, this was typically a ladies' social occasion. And um, until the cocktail was really introduced in America in the in the 1920s, or shortly before that, um, ladies didn't drink really, I mean, high-class ladies. Of we're course, not caught drinking. We're not caught <laughs> drinking spirits and beer they usually stuck to wine or sherry um and that was you know that those sort of drinks were the male pastime that you would have after dinner you would have your um spirits and port and things like that after dinner gotcha so we've got the cream tea the champagne tea are there other versions um i mean Really, as far as afternoon tea goes, there's a there's a general sort of um, service that happens where you'll have finger sandwiches, and those can include cucumber sandwiches, eggs, egg mayonnaise sandwiches with watercress, um, smoked salmon. But once again, kind of easy, um, not easy sandwich, you know, easy to consume sandwiches. Right, you know what yes, I mean? you know, crust cut off, cut in small pieces so that you could eat them. You're not um, dealing with a Dagwood situation at this exactly. point. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then you would have, you know, your warm scones with cream and preserves, talked about that, and then a variety of cakes and pastries and little, uh, mostly finger-sized. You wouldn't want much that you would have to cut Although if you are serving a smaller tea service, a small cake that could be easily divided into four to six. Is this where you get petty slices. fours? Is it, are petty fours a tea food? Um, you could certainly serve petit four. Well, you but, said it better than I did. But um, I only it, know about it from Great British Bake Off. It's French. Um, Say it one more time. Petit four. Petit four. I did bad. You did good. Okay, let's move on. I'm embarrassed now. <laughs> Uh, you could serve those small things as long as they were um, easily handleable. But you're looking for not something you have to take a bite of and put back down on your plate. Exactly. One to two bites is uh, is how you would want to eat it. And speaking of, um, there seems to be, and I did not know this, there seems to be an etiquette to the eating of scones. You throw it up in the air and you catch it. <laughs> Man, wouldn't it be crazy if that was it? Like, you got to lick it first and then put it back down on your plate and wait 10 minutes and then you can eat it. Um, I I suppose that I always thought they were um, served in the way of like a, a Victoria sandwich where you would have the the scone divided and then put the cream and preserves on and then kind of eat it like a cupcake in several bites. Um but I have found in my research that it is encouraged that you cut the scone in half, like you would for a Victoria sandwich, and then break off pieces as you butter, as you, sorry, use the cream and the jam individually. So like eating a dinner roll, 
where you wouldn't put the butter in between and make a little bread and butter sandwich. Uh, you're supposed to break off individual pieces to eat one at a time. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've, we've teased it at the beginning of the episode. We did afternoon tea. So is high tea even fancier than that? Like, what makes it high above the afternoon tea? Um, is it just for queens and kings? No. The size of the table. What? So. Come again. High tea is called high tea because it is served at a table not because it is eaten by the upper socioeconomic class. And that's the common misconception that people think afternoon tea is for the low class and high tea must be for the high class, when in fact it's the other way around. Afternoon tea was served in drawing rooms, so you would have sofas and side tables. Maybe a chaise lounge. Maybe a chaise lounge or and, um, and, you know, coffee tables, lower tables. And then high tea is more like dinner. And, so and, it's served at a table. And you've just got like, do you stand at the table? Do you sit like at stools at the table? But basically it's like there, it's it's much more practical and purposeful of like, we need a boost of caffeine and some food in our tummies. And so we're standing there and we're eating and we're doing the thing. And it's not so much of the fancy social occasion that afternoon tea is. It's more of a purposeful we need some food. We need. A you don't drink. even have to stand. It's basically dinner, Travis. Oh, you really? Just uh, so. What happened was um, in the 19th century. That's when Britain became uh, more highly industrialized at the time, um, and so people who wanted to have tea after coming home from working wanted a more substantial meal that required service at a table. So um, the working class households would offer have often have, you know, hot and filling sort of stews and pasties and sausage rolls and things like that at the table for tea. Um, And it was basically dinner. Is that like what you hear like supper and this sounds like a supper idea i have no idea what the breakdown we'll have I don't to do know what the we're gonna do a whole supper, old timey meal thing yeah we'll have to that'll be our next episode but I think. this was not this is not like lace gloves and no parasols and stuff no not really um i mean although it is traditional to dress for dinner so you would change out of your work clothes and get into dinner clothes um, I I don't believe that there was any sort of that formality in, as for high tea. In this day and age, do you think that uh, while there's still very clearly a real definition and a uh, divide between the two concepts, do people advertise stuff as high tea and call stuff high tea even though it's not, like, because it, they're really doing an afternoon tea but they want it to sound fancy? I just, I feel like... Until well, you told the me two that, are so often convoluted and and merged and switched. Um, you'll find hotels catering to American tourists will often advertise a real afternoon tea as high tea because that's what people expect of it. Yes, but um, but they have not actually become interchangeable. That's just like when we talked about in the hotel episodes where we said like European style and American style, but that's not really what they meant. Those are just the terms that they use to sell it to people. Right. Gotcha. Yes. Um, so then one of the questions we got that I didn't include in our question segment was if you hear someone say afternoon tea 
or high T when they mean the other one, or if you've called it that, should it be corrected? Or do you think it's like, yeah, you know what I meant? You know, like if someone says, I'm going to high T, I feel so fancy. I, I am not of the opinion that you should correct people on those sorts of things. Um, just because, especially here in America, the terms are so often interswitched um, that it, it really, once you look at the menu, you can decipher if it is a high tea or just an afternoon tea or if it's a cream tea or a full tea, you know, all of these different things um, you'll be able to decipher from the offerings. So, for example... Um, if there is on the menu things like pies and pasties, sausage rolls, meat, cheese, anything more substantial than the typical, you know, kind of just bread and butter idea, uh, that is going to be a high tea. Gotcha. Um, and what I seem to have found is another reason that it might be called high tea is because the actual amount of food required a table. Gotcha. Which is higher than your sitting room tables. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to head into the question segment in a moment. But first, here's a word from another Max Fun show. Hey, guys. This is Adam Conover. You may know me from my true TV show, Adam Ruins Everything. Well, guess what? Now we're doing a podcast version right here on Maximum Fun. What we do is we take all the interesting, fascinating experts that we talk to for just a couple minutes on the show, and we sit with them for an entire podcast, really going deep and getting into the fascinating details of their work. Find Adam Ruins Everything wherever you get your podcasts or at MaximumFun.org. Okay, we got a lot of questions on this one, so we'll try to hit as many as we can. Some of them we've already done, so if I say one we've already done, we'll just move right along. This is from Sam on Twitter. What is the appropriate number of cups you should have? Is it rude to have too many? Um, as far as drinking the actual tea goes, I think as long as you're enjoying it, you should have as much as you like. Now, according to my etiquette research, um, one should never use the tea to wash down food. So it should always be you eat a little bit, completely swallow, drink a little bit. Um, and so as long as you are enjoy enjoying just drinking your tea and tea is still being offered, um, you should be able to enjoy as much as you like. Typically, a tea service uh, will end at five. So that really only gives you an hour or so to drink tea. So. Whatever you can drink in an hour, I suppose. And your goal is not to drink as much as, like, you're not slamming the tea, right? Like, it's all, it sounds to me like all of this is has become a social excuse. Exactly. Exactly. So if you're keeping your mouth full of tea and food, you're probably not doing it right. You should be sociable, yes. Okay. Um, this question is from... Oh, Cokie Nid? I don't know. Weird Twitter name. Um, <laughs> are you supposed to eat your fill at tea? Is it like lunch or is it more like a bunch of apps before dinner? I would say it's more like a bunch of apps before dinner. You should not. It's to stave off hunger, not to satiate. Okay. Unless you're doing a high tea. Exactly. Which that is like dinner. Gotcha. Um, this is from Shay the Bearded. I like my tea way stronger than most people. Should I make two pots or go somewhere in the middle? So I mentioned this a little earlier. What you should do is you should make the tea as strong as you prefer. 
um, and serve it along with an extra pot of hot water so that anyone who doesn't like their tea that strong can dilute it themselves to their own liking. And this is an interesting thing because when I think about caffeine intake, like a coffee or a tea, I think about it at breakfast along with, you know, my breakfast meal or in the early part of the day. Mm -hmm. I don't think about taking in caffeine after like three o'clock. And so it seems to me like if you're looking for a caffeine boost, you would do it in the morning and then want slightly weaker tea in the afternoon so that, you know, you can sleep. Well, sure, that makes sense for today's day and age. Um, but remember the afternoon tea was kind of a, a stop between dinner at eight and lunch earlier in the day. So you wanted to stay up possibly till... 10 just sitting at the table eating dinner gotcha this question is from cammy um a local schmancy hotel does a daily tea service for 50 dollars. what should i wear um you should dress to feel appropriate in that schmancy hotel because it's not for comfort once again this is a, a thing you're doing this is an activity right and just like if you were going to play sports you wouldn't just dress to be comfortable you would dress appropriately for the sport exactly um so i would recommend um dress pants and a blouse blazer maybe or if you prefer um a skirt or a dress but it is not like leisure wear you want to be one step above that if you know that it's like a schmancy hotel and you're paying to be there and it is definitely afternoon tea is there a risk of being too overdressed I don't believe so. Um, from different sites that I've looked at and actually friends who have around the world who have gone to afternoon tea, it is definitely a fancy dress occasion. Uh-huh. Um, I am of the persuasion. But not fancy dress like a costume. Not fancy dress like a costume, excuse me. But um, I enjoy dressing a little vintage, a little retro. Um, and so I would definitely play that up. So you what, you don't have on. to do like down an Abbey fancy dress. Like you're no. not put, popping a bustle on or anything, but you no. you should feel fancy. Once again, lean into it. Yeah. If you're going to go do it's this fancy occasion. thing, right? If you ain't doing it every day, make it special. Um, this is from Cherry. Um, is tea like wine in that you're supposed to have black or white tea with certain foods? Not to my knowledge, not to my discovery, although um, you should offer different teas with your with your tea service. Um, traditionally, I believe that Earl Grey is offered. Um, you should, especially if you get to do it yourself, always offer, offer a herbal no caffeine because there are people who are allergic to caffeine or, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. people who maybe at five o'clock in the afternoon don't want to be intaking caffeine. Um, and, you know, like you said, there's the lemon, hot lemon water option. Right. But maybe they want to have tea. They just don't want the caffeine. If you are in control of it, highly recommend offering a non-caffeinated option. Right. So uh, traditionally an Earl Grey is offered. Usually a Darjeeling is offered. Um, and, uh, you know, and then various other Asian teas as well. Uh, Assam and Lapsang and, and other types of teas. So I, I think that with the service, 
you will find some sort of tea that you enjoy, although they need not go with specific foods. Do you think we're kind of talking about two different things, right? The difference between if you were going to have an afternoon tea in your home for your friends versus if you were attending an afternoon tea at a like a hotel or restaurant. Is it gauche to like sit down at the afternoon tea at a restaurant or a hotel and ask for a non-caffeinated option or request or see if they have a specific kind of tea that you want or do you just kind of take what you get i i think that at the finer establishments you'll find that they'll bring you a tea box and you'll be able to select whatever tea you like and um hopefully you'll see the type that you enjoy uh, but yeah, if you're having a tea at your at your house, why not have what you like? Yeah, an excellent point, Teresa. Okay, so this was a big one. We got this one a lot. This is from Jessica. Why pinkies up? Well, according to my research, what I have found is that the pinkies up originates from a time when teacups were quite small. Uh-huh. And so it was literally impossible for you to wrap three or four fingers around the handle of the cup or in earlier, even earlier times before teacups had handles, um, wrap it around the entirety of the cup because tea comes from most tea comes from China and the Chinese are credited with creating the actual pottery. Um, and so before they were designed with handles. The Chinese designed them without handles. Gotcha. Um, and so putting the pinky up or even the ring finger and pinky is more to kind of balance the tea really in your hand. And it seems to just like keep them out of the way rather than like wrapping your whole hand around the cup like a monster. <laughs> it, not like a monster. Well, I would be like a monster. You, you have quite large hands, yes. Um, but... It it just kind of helps to balance the weight of the tea. But it's not like a thing. It's not. It's. It always felt to me like pinkies up was a thing that American movies did to make fun of British fancy people. I I believe that I have heard of that. Okay, yes. I don't think I'm far off because it seems to me like I I don't know that pinkies up is a real thing that you'll get chastised for not doing in a fancy establishment so much as it will look like you're making fun of the other people there. Yes. Um, But but like I said, teacups are quite small. um, And so you may not have physical room for those last one or two fingers. Let's put it this way. If you get invited to go to a fancy tea with some friends, don't be the person who yells pinkies up and thinks it's very funny. (laughs) You are a fancy establishment and you should not do that. Um, This question is from Lee. Milk before or after the tea is poured? Again, uh, this tradition comes from the the pottery that was used. Um, before there was the, the harder cast double fired pottery, um, you would often have to temper the glass before you poured the tea in because you would shatter it if it was so hot. So that's where the tradition of putting milk in first came. Um, you would put the milk in the cup first in order to temper it get it ready for hotter liquids, and then you would put the tea in. Um, At this point, because most uh, fine china is double-fired already, there really is no need to differentiate. 
Does that have any effect on the the tea or the flavor or anything? Um, Well, you are able to tell how strong the tea is if you pour the tea in first. Um, So if you like your tea a little stronger, I would recommend that you pour the tea in first. Take a look at the color of the tea. If it's to your liking, add less milk. Um, I like milk in my tea. Um, I think that it... uh, Well, I mean, it makes it taste a little more creamy. Um... I often find that that some teas leave my mouth drier than other teas after I've swallowed it. So the milk in there helps cut that for me. So if you like stronger tea, I suggest you put the tea in first and then the milk. Um, But if it's not something you're particular about, you can put the milk in first. Okay. Um, This is from Rachel. Am I supposed to hold the saucer in one hand, teacup in the other, or leave the saucer on the table and put the cup all the way down between dainty sips? Um, So it depends on the the place you are having tea. If you are having an afternoon tea where you are sitting on couches, it is recommended that you take the tea with the saucer into your lap, place the saucer on your lap, and lift the teacup to your lips, and then place it back down on your saucer on your lap. Um, But if you're having high tea where you're at a table, um, you can leave the saucer right there on the table the whole time. Why is the saucer there? I I used to think it was to put your tea bag on, but now I'm thinking that if you're serving a loose leaf tea or tea in the the tea, is it just there to have a thing to put your cup on for fancy sake? Well, it does help to balance when you're putting it in your lap, certainly. Um, You wouldn't want to put a cup of hot tea just between your legs. This is true, yes. <laughs> so if, if you're having it on a, on a couch, then you would definitely want the saucer to just keep your tea away from your lap. Um, but I believe that it is to place your stirring spoon on. Okay. So if you do have your tea with milk and sugar, or uh, some people just take tea with lemon, which is why the lemon is also offered. Um, if you do that, then you need a place to put your spoon after you've stirred it all together. I have heard that, speaking of stirring, that it is incredibly bad form that while stirring to clink one spoon against the sides of the teacup. Is that true? Um, while I didn't see anything to the, that effect, I did see a recommendation where when you are stirring tea, you are not to take it in a circular motion um, but in a vertical stir where you would take it from like the six o'clock position and fold that liquid up to the 12 o'clock position. I see. So it's more of a, a folding, creating waves type thing in your cup more than a whirlpool. I would just think that I think there's some kind of general knowledge that should one ever have a tea with the queen. You do not clink, 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 clink. Yeah, yeah, it, it does sound a little abrasive. Yeah, it sounds like the queen would go, please don't do that. <laughs> I don't. My corgis hate that. Um, Amy asks, uh, when serving formal tea, does loose leaf tea versus tea bag matter? And we talked about this a little bit. My question is, does it really, like, when you're getting into setting out an afternoon tea for friends, does it really matter? Well, my opinion is that if you take the teacup, I'm sorry, if you take the teapot into the kitchen to fill it up with hot water, 
no one is going to see what sort of tea you put in the teapot. Yeah, I've done loose leaf tea before. Um, it is a much bigger commitment than just going to the store and buying some tea bags. And like, unless you are the type of person who I think already does loose leaf tea, and loose leaf tea is a lifestyle choice that you have made, I don't think for a single event of afternoon tea with friends, you need to go buy a whole bunch of loose leaf tea. Right. And I mean, in your own home, you certainly can then offer, if you have tea bags, an assortment of teas to your friends. So there, there definitely is a, um, an advantage to that. If everybody wants a different type of tea all at once, they can all have different types of teas. Um, this question uh, is from Faye, but it's actually from five-year-old Max. What do you do when you are done, but you still have tea in your cup? Um, when you are finished and you don't have to finish all of the, the pastries and things and tea and all of that such. And in um, fact, if you have, uh, if you're, especially if you're doing loose leaf tea, you should not finish your cup all the way because there's probably some leaves and just general <laughs> detrina. That's probably. Why I, that's why I never finish a beer and Teresa makes fun of me every time because I just assume there's stuff in the bottom of the beer. Um, a, a good signal is to place the spoon directly at the top of your saucer. So at the, let's see. Kind of across 11 and 1. Yeah, as as with your, your teacup on the saucer, as high on top as you can. So up on top of the saucer. Got it. And uh, then your napkin on the table to the left of your place setting. But once again, because it's fancy, it's not about finishing anything. Right. Do, you shouldn't feel like you have to finish anything. This this sort of afternoon tea, especially, is to really stave off hunger, not to not to fill yourself up. Excellent. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this episode. Um, and thank you for all your wonderful questions. I feel like we got a lot of great questions on this episode. If you would like to contribute questions for future episodes, every week we will post on Twitter at SchmannersCast, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S, what our topic is going to be, as well as posting it in our Facebook group and the Maximum Fun Facebook group so that you can submit your questions on that topic. And then uh, uh, we will answer them as best we can. You should join that Facebook group. It's very wonderful. And people have more and more started discussing amongst themselves and building more of kind of a forum atmosphere. And being oh so polite. Thank you all so much. It's been wonderful. We very much appreciated it. Um, we also want you to check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. There's a ton on there. You're going to find one that you like. Um, and I would like to push because we just listened to it and I thought it was uh, so very pleasant. Our friend Lin-Manuel Miranda guested on an episode of Still Buffer where they talked about like growing up doing theater and uh, Sydney and Riley and Taylor talked about so many wonderful Huntington memories that I could remember from, you know, actually being there. Um, <laughs> and Lynn talking about his history of, uh, of theater and everything. It was absolutely wonderful. Everyone should check it out. Uh, if you enjoy our program, I would encourage you to please go to iTunes. Please rate and subscribe. Um, those ratings and subscriptions really do help us. 
Um, and you know, if you're just looking for a simple, quick way to help out, every week we will post a tweet about this episode. And if you just click retweet, it goes a long way and helps get the message out there. Um, we also want to say thank you to Brent, Brentlefloss Black. Uh, he made our intro and outro music, which is available as a ringtone in iTunes, just through your Apple device. Go into the iTunes store and search Schmanners. Uh, we also want to say thank you to Kayla M. Wassel, who designed our our logo and i also want to say i've just during this outro i've really been enjoying the sound of my own voice um because i want to once again <laughs> brag about our amazing ear trumpet labs microphones they are not paying me to say this i'm just a really big fan and so many people ask me what kind of microphone i use i want them to know it is an ear trumpet labs microphone and they look so gosh darn cool they do they're very cool looking microphones um well we also want to say you know our general thank you to emily post just for everything <laughs> Uh, and thank you again for listening. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners, get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.